before we get started tonight, does anybody here have pain in your body? Somebody have a headache or a neck ache or something uh, that you want prayer for before we start? Because I want us to be able to concentrate on what God's going to say to us. And if you're in pain, you can't concentrate. Amen? Anybody here have a headache? Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, don't get up. Keep your seat. Come on, church. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you right now. We ask that you would touch our sister from the top of her head to the soles of her feet. Lord, I know that you have a word for us, and each one of us wants to be able to hear freely and fully what you have to say. Every distraction right now, let it leave our bodies, let it leave her body, no pain. Let the name of Jesus be exalted right now. Thank you for it. Thank you for it. Thank you for our sister coming, though, even though she had pain in her body. She said, I want to go to the house of the Lord. Lord, bless her. Bless her, encourage her, strengthen her right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Maybe it's in your neck and going up to your head. Anybody? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. He's a good God, isn't he? Yes, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hi, Brother David. All right. Glory be to God. Thank you all so much. You blessed us as usual. If you would open up your Bibles to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Uh, I want us to go just a little bit deeper in some things that, you know, that uh, we don't usually talk about. Uh, the Christian, uh, we commune with God. Seek uh, uh, the, the importance of communing with God. When you commune with somebody, what happens? You exchange information. You exchange. You exchange feelings. Uh, you get to know each other. And so, uh, uh, our communion with God uh, for the Christian is in four levels, and uh, or we could say four phases. The first one is prayer. Prayer. You and I, we we talk to God the Father, uh, and and most of the time, if we would be honest, it's in the, it's it rims from the the soul and the body. We talk to the Father from those two areas of our life more times than not, unless we're moved on by the Holy Ghost to pray in the Spirit, and then that is by the Spirit. But we, when we get our prayers answered and. And when we think about how good God is, that moves us into the second place of thanksgiving. And thanksgiving is the most wonderful thing in the world where we're just, we're thankful for those prayers being answered. But once again, that is just soul and body unless we're in the place of of thanking the Lord spiritually for just who He is. Not for what He's done or not for what He's going to do, but just simply because He's a good God. Amen. So we can see how we can limit this uh, communion with Him and um, and then finally, when we uh, move past those two things, we move into a place of praise. And, and that's generally where the church service is, is in a place of praise. But once again, uh, if we don't get into the spiritual aspect of it, uh, our, our, the difference between praise and worship is praise, uh, very seldom does it ever get into the spiritual aspect. Once again, I'm praising God because uh, I, I'm in a church service and I should. Or I'm praising God because this is the time to do that. I'm praising God because I'm, 
I, I, I feel good or because uh, I like this song and, and all of these different things. But when we get into thanksgiving of, 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 of purity of spirit, we get into prayer of purity of spirit and we get into praise of purity of spirit, it moves us into a place of true worship. And, and true worship is when you and I get in that place of communication with, with God the Father through Jesus by the Spirit, all of a sudden you and I are able, able to lay down things out of our life where we start looking more like uh, Colossians 3.10. We put on the new man. Do you realize, now don't get mad at me, but there's people who are, are born again. They go to church all the time. They do things for God, but they're going to die and go to heaven and never put on the new man. I spent so many years of my life, I'm on my way to heaven, but I didn't even know what the new man was. And so we, it's our job, our, our role to be uh, in the place of showing people how to come into this place of worship where you can lay things down. I can lay things down out of my life and we can really be who we are. This right here keeps me from being who I really am. And only true worship allows me to lay that down. So if you'll uh, give me some leeway tonight to lay a foundation, uh, I think the Holy Ghost will really empower us tonight. John chapter 4, I don't know if I said that or not. Um, let's, for sake of time, let's, this is where Jesus must needs to go through Samaria, and it goes to the lady in the well. Let's just pick it up in uh, verse 20. This is where the, the lady is at, at, the, at the well of Samaria is talking to Jesus. And she says, John 4 and 20, Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And ye say, in other words, she said, I hear you saying, Jesus, that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. But see, that's, she's, she's heard religion all of her life. And, and Jesus is fixing to correct that. He's fixing to bring a truth to her. Verse 21, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Verse 22, Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. Verse 23, now notice 23 and 24 specifically. But the hour cometh and now is. Aren't you glad this is the time of worship? But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. Verse 24. God is a spirit and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. God is a spirit and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Brother Larry, would you pray? Yes. Yes. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for uh, being here. Thank you for honoring the word. Thank you, Brother Larry, for praying. Uh, I, I'm excited because I, I just feel like that uh, the, 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 the body of Christ is on the brink of moving into a deeper level, a place that we've never been before. A place of liberty, a place of freedom, a place of being what God's called us to be because we're going to be able to worship the Lord the way that we were born to worship Him. We're going to be able to walk with Him uh, if we choose to make that decision uh, in obedience to His Word the way uh, Adam and Eve walked with Him in the cool of the day.
God wants to restore all things. and He, want to, he wants to raise up a, a group of people, His body, that knows Him intimately. Come on, you know everything about your body. He knows everything about us because we're a part of His body, right? And, and so He has plans and He has ideals and He has things that He wants to do in and through you. In and through me. And so we've got to learn how to worship Him in truth where we can lay uh, down the outward man, the old man, and, and we can get in this place and position of living a lifestyle of true worship. Amen? So let's look at some things. Now notice what He said there in verse 23, John four twenty-three. He said, But the hour cometh, and now is. So you and I, we're living in this right now at this moment when the true worshipers. Now, this, this word true worshipers means uh, those who are, there's nothing in their life concealed. Everything in their life is, is, is pointing toward Jesus. That doesn't mean we're perfect. That means we're striving to be perfect. We're, we're growing in that direction. And His light is shining into us and bringing a, a clear truth to us and a clear truth through us. And he said, this word worshiper, it means somebody who is an adorner of God. An adorner of God is somebody who holds God in the place of the utmost respect. The utmost place and position of love. The utmost place position of honor. So when I'm truly worshiping God, I'm not thinking about myself. Come on, I'm, I'm putting off the old man. I'm putting on this new man. I'm being renewed in the spirit of my mind where I can put on this new man. And I'm seeing that... that, that uh, all the things about life that occupy us, they don't have to occupy us. Come on, we spend so much time uh, uh, in, in just the first layer of a communion with Jesus in prayer. We're praying about those things that He's done promised us. We're, 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 we're wasting time saying, God, I need this. God, I need... He knows what your needs are. And I know the Bible says you have not because you ask not. But some things you and I just need to walk in. We need to know that Jesus died on the cross to uh, bring us into a place of relationship and fellowship with Him. And, and He said, if I would seek Him, come on, in His kingdom, His righteousness first, that everything that I had need of in this life, He would add it unto me. So I, I need to, to uh, move a little bit deeper and not be so concerned with uh, what I think I want or what I think I need. And I need to just get in that place, Lord, I trust You. Come on, when the Bible says that God is a good God, right? And he said that, that if, uh, if I was doing Romans 8, 26 and 8, 27, if I was praying in His Spirit, if I was being conformed and shaped by His Word, that He would work in verse 28, all things out for my good. Is He a liar? No, He tells the truth, don't He? So I don't need to be so concerned in this first level of communion with God. I need to uh, trust the Holy Spirit in my spirit. I need to pray as He leads me. But I need to get in this place where I'm about my Father's business. And the only way I can do that is I've got to learn how to come to true worship. Now, we're laying a foundation, and we're going to go to the Old Testament in a minute. We're going to see how piece by piece you can lay things down out of your life. I can lay things down out of my life. And we can have liberty, we can have victory, we can have promise after promise being manifested in our life because our heart, our souls, our mind, our strength, what Jesus talked about, how we're to love the Lord our God, it'll be in perfect alignment with Him. Amen? I want that, don't you? Now, uh, as we look at 
turn with me to Romans chapter 12. I know we've talked about these verses so many times, but, uh, I, you know, until we learn to, to accept it and live it fully, uh, we have to keep going over it and over it. But in Romans chapter 12, notice what the Apostle Paul says in verse number 1 to the church at Rome. He said, I beseech you. In other words, he said, I'm, I'm calling you near. I'm imploring you. I'm giving you an invitation to a, 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 a place of deepness with the Lord that, that's available to every believer. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, sister, and brothers and sisters in the Lord, by the mercies of God. And he's, in other words, he said, I've got this word by here is a channel of action. He said, I've got a, I've got a channel for you to, uh, to come nearer to God than you've ever been. And that, that channel is that you understand the mercies of God, the compassion of God. The compassion of God is that uh, when Adam and Eve sinned, he could have destroyed them right then and sent them to hell, and you and I would have never been. But he didn't do that. He had a plan from the foundation of the world of Jesus Christ. He had a plan for a family. He had a plan for you and I. Amen? And so the, that, that mercy is so real. That compassion is so real. That grace is so abundant tonight. And, and Paul is saying, I want to I show you how to walk in a deeper level of that reality. Amen? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, God wants us to be in the place and the position where we recognize that true worship, and, and we'll document this out of the Word of God as the Holy Ghost leads us, but true worship costs you something. Worship, a, a, a lifestyle of worship costs you something. It costs you sleep. When you stay up... And you pray and you pray and you seek the Lord. It costs you sleep. When you want to go out and you want to be doing something else, but you're, you know you're supposed to be fellowshipping with the Lord. You know you're supposed to be reading this Word. You know you're supposed to be in the place of intercession. It costs you something. It's a sacrifice. Every one of us, we have things we want to do. We have places we want to be. When you uh, work a little bit harder where you'll have a little bit more to give, you're a giving group of people. Amen? You, you blessed the Hope Center this morning. Uh, with $250. Come on, they're $250 richer in their ministry uh, because of what you've done. Amen? Come on, all of those things, that's a sacrifice. And, and that's, that's a part of the lifestyle of, uh, of worship. But as you're in that place of, 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 of worship, you've got to see that uh, everything that you and I do, everything that we say is a worship to someone. Our question is, is it to God or is it to the devil? Because notice what he said here. He said that when you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, it is your reasonable service. It's your logical worship. From the, from the Greek, it's saying that's how you worship. But let's understand this. He said when you present your body. Now this word present, it means that you're standing beside your, your body. In other words, you're... You, you're your spirit being, your, your new man, is in control of your old man. Isn't that something? You're, 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 in other words, you come boldly to the throne of grace, and you're standing there, and you've got this flesh body in your hand. You're holding it up, and you're standing there by the grace of Jesus Christ, covered in the blood. And your spiritual being of who you are is brand new in Christ Jesus, and your spirit being is dominating, is controlling the flesh rather than your flesh controlling you. Ain't that something? So I have the ability to, to come to the Lord in all honesty and say, listen, right now I feel really negative. 
I feel negative about the economy. I feel negative about our government. I feel negative about what's happening in the world. And, and this negativity is trying to resurrect certain feelings in my flesh body. And I, I, I'm going to come to you, and I'm going to hold this thing down, and I want you to help me. Come on. At the altar, there's victory. At the altar, it's not a place of death. It's a place of laying down some things and worshiping God, whether you feel like it or not. And when you worship Him, it changes, it alters your situation because it alters what you're looking at, what you're seeing. It builds hope in your life. It releases faith. Amen? Isn't that something? All right, let's make sure that we understand this word. Uh, let's, let's go to Romans chapter 6, and let's see the same word used by the Apostle Paul. You're in Romans 12. Go over to Romans 6, and uh, look at verse number uh, 12. It says, Romans uh, 6 and 12, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust." Thereof, So I, I've got a choice. If he tells me uh, to keep it from raining, that means I have the ability to do it. Amen? But now stay with me. Look at verse 13. The Apostle Paul, by the unction of the Spirit of God, says, Neither yield. Okay, mark that down in your mind's eye. This word yield is from the same Greek word that is translated present in Romans 12 and 1. Okay? Now the reason why we're covering this, we're talking about uh, how to have logical service, logical worship, true worship of the Lord. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but notice this, but yield, present yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So when he tells me, when the Paul says, present my body as a living sacrifice, then uh, I don't listen to my feelings. My feelings tell me 99% of the time I'm not saved. My feelings tell me 99% of the time that things are hopeless, that things are, are bad and they're going to get worse. Well, I can't, I'm not saved by my feelings. I'm saved because of God's grace and the faith, the measure of faith that He's gave me. Amen? So I've got to stand in that faith and I've got to stand by the Word of God. The Bible says that the Word of God is forever and ever and ever. And if I'm standing by the Word of God, guess what? I'm going to stand forever and ever and ever. Amen? All right. So this is an act of worship. So what Paul is bringing the revelation to us here is when I yield my body, my natural body, my, my mortal body, my flesh, my outward man, when I yield it, I'm standing beside it as I offer a sacrifice and worship to the things of the world. 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, the God of this world is a... God that blinds. Come on. I don't want to do that. I don't want to yield to that. Because I, I've got to recognize and realize when I say what comes across the buds of my mind and I speak it out of my tongue, if it's not seasoned with salt, if it's not edification, then it's yielding and it's worshiping the God of this world. Now, tonight... If we would be honest with each other, if we would uh, be in the place where we start letting the Holy Spirit bring conviction and bringing truth to us, there's little things, I won't say it for your life, but I know for my life, that I'm going to be able to come and I'm going to be able to bring and lay on the altar of the Lord. And as I lay it on the altar of the Lord, uh, piece by piece, 
the Holy Spirit is going to burn those things up out of my life. It's going to be a sweet-smelling savor to, uh, to my Father in heaven. And I'm going to learn how to walk in worship and stand beside victory rather than stand beside defeat. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Now, you'll see as we move along. Drop down to verse 16. Romans 6, 16. The Apostle Paul, by the Spirit of God, says, Know ye not that to whom ye do yield, or who you yield... In other words, same word as present in Romans 12, 1. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants are you to whom you obey. In other words, whether of sin and of death or of obedience unto righteousness. Whatever I'm standing beside, uh, whether I'm standing beside my mortal body, uh, and I'm off, then I'm offering a worship to God. But if I'm standing beside my spiritual body, I'm worshiping, I'm offering a sacrifice to the devil. I got to recognize that everything means something. Come on, you're sitting there and you're watching TV and there comes a flash something across the screen that you shouldn't see, that I shouldn't see. If I dwell on that, come on, I'm resurrecting the old man. I'm standing beside that and I'm making a sacrifice to the devil because it feels good to the flesh. Come on now, we've got to get serious. The Holy Ghost is fixing to fall in the body of Christ like never before. And when he starts falling like he fell in the early days in the book of Acts, when sin is there, there will be Ananias and Sapphires that are going to fall dead. That's why God can't do what he wants to do in the power that he wants to do it because he can't take a chance on his church not being purified and falling dead before the very altar of the living God. We've got to give ourselves wholly to Jesus Christ, stand there in purity, in honor, and worship Jesus. Amen? Verse 19. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded, as you've presented, notice what he said, same word, as you have presented, as you've yielded your members to servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto uniquity, unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. I have free will tonight. I can do the right thing. Don't let the devil convince you that you've got to do what you feel. You've got to say what you want to say. You know, so many, sometimes, so many times I tell Donna, I said, I just got to say it. I just got to. And she said, you better not. You better not. Oh, and I want to say it so bad. And sometimes I mess up and say it. Come on. But I don't have to. I have power in my life. First John 4, 4. Greater is he that is in you, the believer, than he that is in this world. Amen? That's the truth. And so I've got to make a choice. What am I going to present? Am I going to present myself to the devil or am I going to present myself to a holy living God? Amen? Now, I know this won't make a shout, but I tell you what, it'll make us strong. It'll make us be able to see who we are in Jesus Christ and what we can do. Amen? We can do all things through Him. You've got to believe that. I've got to believe that. Amen? All right. Now, um, turn over here with me. And let's just dive into this, this, uh, uh, something I think that will encourage us. In, in Ephesians chapter 5, I want you to see what Jesus has done for you and I that will build you up, that will encourage you and strengthen you so much. Uh, look at verse number 1. Ephesians 5 and 1. He said, Be ye therefore followers, because of everything that he said in the fourth chapter about you and I are, are, are being grown up by the truth of the Word of God. We're being matured by the truth of the Word of God. And he said, Be ye therefore followers, uh, mimitates in the great, be an imitator 
of God as dear children. In other words, I can do what Jesus done because Jesus done what he saw the Father do. I can say what Jesus said because Jesus heard what the Father said and he spoke it into this earth. People got saved. They got healed. They got delivery, delivered. They got victory. They got all of those things. You and I were, were supposed to be walking in that. So if, if, the, if our body, if our mind tries to keep us from that, we need to what? We need to lay it on the altar and say, no, now Jesus said not only for us to do that, but he said, do it every day. Come on, we're waiting for a certain special day. Every day's a special day. Every day's the day the Lord has made. Amen? There's needs everywhere you go. If you'll just steal yourself, you can be in the middle of a crowd. And all of a sudden, you'll start feeling the needs. Now, you don't have to go and, and, and make a, a public show unless the Spirit of God leads you, but you can feel that need and you can pray for that need right there. And you can see that person touched and they may not even know what happened. But they're going to have a revelation that you're standing beside the sacrifice. You're leaving a worship, uh, living a worship lifestyle that's making a difference. Amen? Amen. Verse number 2. And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. Remember, that's why we, where we got our text. Jesus went all the way. He must needs go through Samaria. He went there just for that lady sitting on the well. He was there waiting, sitting on the well, waiting on her. For her to come. Because he knew that she had a need. Isn't that something? Life with purpose. See, I think, I think I have a good day when I get to do what Greg wants to do. That's not a good day. I'm sorry. In my flesh, that's a wasted day. A good day is when I'm living a fasted worship lifestyle. And I'm in the timing of the Lord. I'm in the place of the Lord. And I'm in the people of the Lord. Amen. To make a difference. And walk in love as Christ also loved us and have given himself for us an offering, a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. In other words, now, because of what Jesus done, when God looks at your life, when he looks at my life, when he looks at the believer's life, he smells the sacrifice of Jesus. He sees the blood of Jesus on your life. Isn't that something? I'm not labeled a sinner in the eyes of God. I'm not labeled a fornicator, an adulterer. I'm not labeled an idolater. I'm not labeled an, all of these things. Come on, I could, you know, bear my heart with you. I'm not those things. I'm saved. I'm born again. Amen? You're saved. You're born again. That's who we are. And so that sweet smelling, smelling savor goes up and it covers everything. And it's all because of what Jesus done. Jesus walked in this same flesh as you and I, yet without sin. He was tempted, yet without sin. He laid those things down, and He done it for us. Glory. All right, so let's see how we can apply some things that will help us. Go to the Old Testament, uh, the book of Leviticus. In Leviticus chapter 1, Most times Leviticus is skipped because people, you know, it, it's, a, it's a hard book unless you're looking at it uh, on this side of the cross and you're looking at it from a spiritual uh, uh, understanding of what it truly means. So we're going to read this, but I want you to think about it on this side of the cross. Leviticus 1 and 1. And, and, the, and the Lord called unto Moses and spake unto him out of the tabernacle of the congregation, saying... And don't you love it? This book starts with and. 
That means you, we need to read Exodus 2, okay? They're tied together. You can't have one without the other. Uh, speaking to the children of Israel and saying to them, If any man, any person of you bring an offering unto the Lord, you shall bring your offering of the cattle, even of the herd and of the flock. If his offering be a burnt sacrifice. Now, a burnt sacrifice to, 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 to the Lord is what Jesus done in the New Testament. Now, literally, what they done, they, they took this whole animal, and we'll look at it, and they uh, accept the, uh, the hide. And uh, Leviticus 7, 8 tells us that went to the, the, the officiating priest. But they, they, they gave this whole animal to it. And, and I want you to see your role in that. See, a burnt sacrifice, it, uh, the, the priest didn't need it. You didn't need it. The whole thing was burnt up, and it went up to God. It went up as a memorial. It went up as that sweet-smelling Savior like Jesus did for us in the New Testament that we read there. But look what it, look what it says. Verse 3, If his offering be a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own voluntary will at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. So you and I, we've got to make a decision. Jesus is the door. So we're standing at the door of the tabernacle every day. Amen? And, and we've got to make a decision. What's, what am I going to do today? What's my voluntary will? Am I going to serve man? Am I going to serve God? Am I going to worship the Lord? Or am I going to worship this world? What am I going to do? See, you have a choice. I have a choice. We have just so much time that's allotted to us. And, and we want to make sure that we make the best of what God's gave us because you have a destiny in your life. You've been called to do some things that nobody else can do. And if the devil can keep you and I out of uh, the perfect will of God, he laughs. He's happy because you and I, we're destined to make somebody's life different. Now look at verses 4, 5, and 6. Look what he says. It says, And he shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make an atonement for him. You and I, we, we, we gotta, sometimes we've got to just stand before the Lord at, this, at the altar of our heart and put our hand on our own head and say, Mind, I'm offering you as a sacrifice right now. I'm not going to think those evil thoughts anymore. I'm not going to think those negative thoughts. Come on, I'm, 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 I'm putting everything... Everything, I'm, I'm taking it and I'm putting it on the altar. I'm, I'm fixing to see God Almighty burn some things out of my life. I don't have to hate people. I don't have to mistrust people. I don't have to be in this place, in this position where somebody else controls me. Amen? I'm going to give everything to Jesus. Verse number 5. And he shall kill the bullock before the Lord. See, you and I, we've got to make a choice. I, I, I've got to take and put everything on this sacrifice. And then I've got to be the one that dies off. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, down about verse... Uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, I die daily. We've we, we got to make a choice. Am I going to die daily? And, and this is how we do it. We, we, we come to that place where I put those things in my life. See, I, I could have spent so much less time on my knees at the altar. God, help me. I don't want to have anger in my heart. I, I, I don't want to be controlled by hurt. See, I was praying about the anger. I was praying about the hurt. When I, all I had to do was come to the altar and give it to Him. 
and stop praying about the symptom and give him the very source. Amen? Jesus wants the source. He doesn't want to be a modern-day aspirin or Advil. He doesn't want to just placate our feelings. He wants to renew us in the spirit of our mind. He wants to empower us to be all God would have us to be. Amen? And he shall kill the bullock before the Lord and the priest, Aaron's sons, and shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood round about the altar that is by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Verse 6. And he shall... Come on, this is our role in this. He or she, no gender intended. And he shall flay the burnt offering and cut it into his pieces. See, I can't come to you and tell you, you need to put this on the altar. Because I may be looking at something that is three or four moves down the road of what God wants to do. You have to cut out of your life. I have to cut out of my life as the Holy Spirit gives us unction and lay on the altar what He would have us to do where the Holy Ghost can take it up to God. It's not an embarrassment to tell the Lord, Hey, I'm struggling in this area. I'm weak in this area. I want to offer this as a sacrifice. I want to... In other words, you're, you're calling out to a holy God... And, and you're saying, I trust you. I trust you that you're a good God, that you're going to work this in my life. Amen? And the sons of Aaron and the priests shall put fire upon the altar and lay the wood in order. Lay the wood in order. Can you just close your spiritual eyes for just a second? I mean, your flesh eyes and open up your spiritual eyes and just see what that means. See, the cross of Jesus Christ. Think about it. Whether it's a Roman T, however you want to see it in your mind's eye, first of all, that cross goes straight to God. And then it goes straight out. See, we've got to have first a relationship uh, right with God. We've got to have a vertical relationship with God. And when we have our vertical relationship with God, then horizontally we can reach out and we can touch each other. Amen? We can minister to each other. They put the very wood in order on the sacrifice. In other words, I don't have to be dominated by any sin because there is a cross at the altar. And when it's in order in my life and I lay those things down, I have victory. Whom the Son makes free is free indeed. Amen? I'm believing with all my heart that we're going to get to minister to people and see them delivered from all sorts of of things that the devil meant for their harm, that they're going to be a witness and a testimony of the goodness of God. Amen? Amen. Verse 8, And the priest, Aaron's son, shall lay the parts of the head and the fat in order, in order, upon the wood that is on the fire which is upon the altar. But his inward and his legs shall be washed in water, and the priest shall burn all on the altar to be a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire of sweet savor, to the Lord. So, you and I, we've got to have Ephesians chapter 5, the washing of the water on the inside of us. Come on, that, that's what he's talking about. It's a type and a shadow there. You let the word flow through you. It washes your inside. It changes who you are, what you're expecting, what you're desirous of. It changes everything about your life. Amen? Okay. Go to Genesis chapter 32. Let's look at an example of how a person can be changed. And I, I've got so much to say to you, but I know I'm respectful of your time. But I tell you, uh, I, I'm so hungry 
for God to be able to just come in a group of people and just do what He wants to do because they say, I'm here for you, Lord. I, I, nothing else matters. I just want what you want. Amen. Aren't you hungry for that? I'm hungry for that. Okay, Genesis 32 is talking about Jacob. Now, we don't, of course, we don't have time to look at all this, but let's start reading in about verse 22. Genesis 32, 22. And let me read to give me a little leeway here to lay a foundation. Jacob, when he was born, he, of course, he was a twin, and his brother was Esau. And uh, he was uh, destined to be the firstborn, but uh, Esau was born first. And, and when, they, when Esau come out of the womb, uh, Jacob had his hand on, on Esau's heel. Remember the story, you know. And so Esau is known as his, uh, I mean, uh, Jacob is known as uh, supplanter, heel catcher. Uh, the, the word even means deceiver. But uh, Jacob spent his whole life uh, trying to get things that had been promised to him by God in his own way. Sound familiar? So remember, everything in the Old Testament is a type and a shadow to help us in the New Testament. If we're not careful, we spend our whole life trying to get things that's already been promised to us, but we're going about it our own way, and it's just going to be a struggle. And so uh, uh, he's fixing to meet up with, with his brother, uh, and he's, he's, he's scared he, because he's afraid Esau's going to kill him. But all of a sudden, he's fixing to have a life changing experience because he's going to let go of everything and he's going to learn how to worship God. Verse 22, uh, Genesis uh, 32, 22. Uh, and he, Jacob, rose up that night and he took his two wives and his two women servants and his eleven sons and he passed over the ford Jacob. Now think about it. He, uh, he worked those seven years uh, and, and he ended up with Aaliyah. And because he was he was deceived, and then he had to work another seven years uh, to get uh, help me, Rachel. Yes, and, and so he, he you know you, you he, everything he done he, he he put effort into it, and, and he he come out and he left his father in law's household with with great wealth, but now he's in a place in a position where he thinks he's going to lose everything because of this, this meeting with his brother. Verse 23. And he took them, and he sent them over the brook, and he sent over that he had. In other words, uh, it says in the Hebrew that he sent everything. In other words, there was, the only thing that was there was he and himself, what he had on. So he's recognizing and realized, hey, unless God gives me something, I haven't got anything. I'm not going to be able to hold anything unless it comes from the Lord. Amen? Verse 24, and Jacob was left alone. You and I, we need to get alone with the Lord. We've got to be alone with Him, with the radio off, with the TV off, with the internet off. Well, I'm listening to worship music. Well, thank God for worship music. But you know what? You'll never hear God's voice above that music. Now, God can talk to you through that music, but we're talking about coming to a deeper level. We're talking to a, about a place of worship as a lifestyle. And in that place of worship and intimacy, I, I used to could never have the radio off. I had to have some kind of music going. Before I got saved, it was, you know, it was rock and roll. Uh, and then after I got saved, I had to have some kind of music. Because why? I didn't want to get alone. I didn't want my mind to be still. 
even being born again, I didn't want it to be still. But when you still your mind with the Lord, then all of a sudden it's just you and Him and truth emerges. And Jacob was left alone, and there he wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. Now, everybody in here has an has an ability to get a Strong's concordance, or you have the you have a smartphone, or you have a computer, you, and so there's no reason that you can't study this out. You need to look at this word "wrestle," because this 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 means so much more in the Hebrew. That Jacob got to a place where he went back to the origin of of who he is. He was able to come back to the light that God created him and made him to be and he was separated from, spirit was separated from soul and soul was separated from body like the apostle Paul talks about uh, in, in, the, in, in the first Thessalonians chapter 5 in, in the book of Hebrews chapter 4 he, he was able to separate T- tonight if you and I if we can separate some things get our mind renewed we'll bring our body under subjection and you're going to walk in liberty and freedom like you never walked before He wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. Verse 25. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him. uh, How many knows this is not a man? All right. And he wrestled with him. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. So Jacob is holding on to the angel of the Lord. He's wrestling with him. He is wanting to be blessed. He's wanting to no longer be Jacob. And it's going to cost him something. You and I, we've got to realize that a lifestyle of worship is going to cost us something. But it's going to cost you something in the natural, but it's going to give you all the things that spiritually that Jesus Christ died on the cross and resurrected out of a tomb to give us. Amen? All right. Verse 26. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And I, you, you, you got the day breaketh. In other words, the, the, the natural is fixing to reveal, the natural light is fixing to reveal some things even to him as light and dust, body, soul, spirit is being separated here. Uh, he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, Jacob says. It, Except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Can you imagine here Jacob is? And he goes, uh, Jacob. Because I, I hate it when people ask me my name. Because 99 times out of 100 they'll say, Huh? What? I don't know why. I've had, more times than not people say, Steve? I don't know how you get Steve out of Greg. But anyway, but ask Donna. She'll tell you a lot, a lot of stories. But anyway, can you imagine, here Jacob is, what he's really saying is, I'm a deceiver. I'm a supplanter. I've tried to grab everything on my own. Oh, there's an anointing right here, right now, of liberty and freedom. You feel that? When we tell God the truth, that's when God can work in our lives. That's when He can bless us. Bless us beyond measure. So here, all of a sudden, Jacob bears everything before the angel of the Lord. You know how many times the Spirit of God brings up something and I know it beyond a shadow of a doubt and give, go to the altar call in that direction and nobody responds? 
You're not fooling anybody but yourself. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be hard. But God's wanting to do some things in our life. He's wanting to show Himself mighty among His people. Amen? Verse 28. And He said, See, when we're honest with God, things happen. And He said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob. You're no longer going to be a deceiver. You're no longer going to be somebody who's trying to grab something on your own. But your name shall be Israel. Israel. He will rule as God. All of a sudden, you're letting God be God. Jacob said, I'm going to let God be God. I'm going to let God meet my needs. I'm going to let God be my friend. I'm going to let God be my guide. I'm going to let God hold my hand. I'm going to let God speak truth into my life. Amen? Your name shall be called Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou doest ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, or, or you know, the face of God. For I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And he passed over Peniel. He passed over the, the face of God. And the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. It cost him something. He, he, he limped the rest of his life. But that limp wasn't to, to, to make him uh, hurt or be aggravated or feel uh, like he'd been cheated. That limp was to remind him, you're no longer Jacob. Come on, you are Israel. Come on, you've had an encounter with God and you've been honest with God and that thing that was controlling you was placed on the altar and now every time you take a step, you're taking a step and you're reminded that you've met God face to face. Amen? Hallelujah. Can I give you just one more little set of scriptures? Go with me to Second Samuel chapter 24. And let's... Remember when David sinned before the Lord and he numbered Israel and the plague come upon Israel and, and the people were dying all around him? And so he, uh, he, he, God gave him three choices and he chose the third to be able to make a sacrifice to the Lord so the plague would be stayed. Remember that story? Let's pick it up right there and let's see how important it is that for you and I to understand that our sacrifice is meant to cost us something. In 2 Samuel 24, look at verse 18. 2 Samuel 24, 18. And Gad, and this is the prophet, came that day to David and said unto him, Go up, rear up an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Anora, uh, the Jebusite. Now, I love this because we, David had sinned, right? We know that. But Anora means scarlet, if you fully translate it. What did, what did Isaiah prophesy about Jesus? Though my sins be as scarlet, Jesus would make them white as snow. So this is a type and a shadow. This is an Old Testament type to teach us what really happens in the New Testament in a relationship with God. So when we have an altar that we may have some kind of sin in our life that's trying to denominate us and control us and all of these things. But God will take that scarlet sin. He will make it white as snow. 
Verse 19. And David, according to the word or the saying of Gad, went up as the Lord commanded. And Arnah looked and saw the king and his servants coming toward him. And Arnah went out and bowed himself before the king on his face upon the ground. And Arnah said, uh, Wherefore is my lord the king come to his servant? And David said, To buy, mark it down, to buy the threshing floor of thee, to build an altar unto the Lord, that the plague may be stayed from the people. Verse 22. Well-meaning people can get you out of the will of the Lord. I've let people that I love say one phrase, and I, I listen to what they said more than I listen to what the Lord said, and I got in trouble. They didn't mean anything. Come on. We've all done that. And Arnaud said unto David, Let my lord the king take and offer up what seemeth good unto him. Behold, here are oxen for burnt sacrifice and threshing instruments and other instruments of the oxen for wood. All these things did Arnaud uh, as, a, as a king give unto thee, king. And Arnaud said unto the king, The Lord thy God accept thee. Verse 24. And the king said unto Arnar, Nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doeth cost me nothing. Free gratis. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. A shekel of silver today uh, is $320. So 320 times 50, that's over six, that's $16,000. For just this threshing floor and this little piece of uh, the, 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 what was needed for the sacrifice. But it, can you imagine $16,000 in King David's time? It was a sacrifice. But David looked and he knew that he had to stop the plague. Are we willing to put a sacrifice for the plague of sin? See, Jesus is the answer to sin, but Jesus has got to be preached. He's got to be lived out before a group of people where they can see that He is real. Donna didn't know anything about this message, but she had a dream last night. And and you'll look at it from one side and you'll think that's really funny, but if you look at it from the message that we're talking about tonight, you'll see how important it is. In this dream, she dreamed that there was a plague going across the earth. And this plague, it wasn't contagious. The only way the plague come was if you had a, 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 a cut place on you and the plague, you touched the plague. You touched the plague, then you were going to die. You had 24 hours to live. And so... As, we, as she heard about this plague in her dream and everything, then all of a sudden, Kayla come to her and she said, I touched it. And Donna starts freaking out. She, she said, you mean the plague, the, the plague is working in you? She said, yeah. She said, I, I, I've got 20, uh, 23 hours to live because it was a 24-hour plague. And, and Donna says, what are we going to do? She said, I don't know. She said, I just ordered a brand new computer and it won't, I ordered overnight shipping and it won't be in till for 25 hours. 
Now that sounds funny, right? How many people are walking along, living their life, the plague of sin has touched them because there's an open door in their life, and they're living for the next meal, they're living for the next paycheck, they're living for the next video game, they're, li- they're living for the next whatever it might be, and they're not even thinking about that where the wages of sin are death. We've got to tell people. Jesus is coming. And you're either saved, born again on your way to heaven, or you're not. Amen? He played the ultimate sacrifice. But we've got to put our hearts, souls, and lives in the place where we go, I'm going to serve God no matter what. It may cost me friendships. It may cost me relationships. It may cost me a job. It may cost me some free time. It may cost me some things. But it will not in any way measure up to what Jesus has in store. The Bible says, I have not seen... 1 Corinthians chapter 2, by the unction of the Holy Ghost, the Apostle Paul said, I have not seen, ear hath not heard what God has in store for those who love Him, but it can be revealed by the Spirit. God's got great things for us. Amen? But we've got to show people that it's true, it's real. We've got to live it before their very eyes. So David, he bought this. The, the, the plague was stayed because he obeyed the Lord. talking to somebody about somebody getting in trouble and they said well they got what they deserved if I got what I deserved I would be dead right now in hell thank God we've got a God that gives us grace gives us grace amen so the best of my ability I just I I want you to see that you can walk in a place of freedom that you've never walked in before. Tonight, this altar is just as real. This sacrifice is just as real. If you'll come to Jesus tonight, any little thing that's hurting you, that's hindering you, that's limiting you, that's keeping you from walking in joy, walking in peace, walking in power, if you'll come, you can make yourself an altar. You can lay lay it on on the very wood, the cross, and you can get up and your life will take new shape, new form, and you'll be able to present yourself who you really are, the spiritual side of you, to Jesus, holding up that thing that used to hurt you and control you. Amen? Pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, I know that there's areas in our lives where we have unforgiveness, we have hatred, we have anger, we have misunderstanding, we have confusion. We have... uh, all sorts of areas where the enemy wants to browbeat us and discourage us and try to keep us bound down. But right now, in Jesus' name, we want to give those things to you. We want to lay them on your altar. We want to allow you to bring healing to our hurting heart, bring peace to our mind that is full of confusion, to bring freedom to every chain that would try to hold us back. In the name of Jesus, would you take these words, they may not be completely correct. They may not be uh, purely plain. But would you take them and minister to every person, whether here or on the Internet, and let it touch their heart. Let them make a response to you right now. Touch and draw. Help us to be 
in that place where we get a new name from you. And the old things and the old ways are laid down. We ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Would you come? Would you come tonight and make yourself an altar? Or if you don't feel comfortable doing that, make yourself an altar at your cheer. But would you leave here knowing that you've been touched by the hand of Almighty God? Come on, I, I, We're here to pray with you. We're here to pray for you. Whatever you might need, Jesus is here. I, I battled all week for, to make sure that, 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 that this message come forth, that, that you were here tonight to hear it. There was a struggle. The devil tried to hinder and stop every way, but he can't defeat the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. So I admonish you to come in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of you, this is a, a, a critical point in your life. You need to make sure that you let Jesus do what he wants to do in your life. You're going to find newfound freedom like never before, I promise you.